Welcome to the Do Good to Lead Well podcast. If you're passionate about mastering self-leadership, then you're in the right place. I have always been curious about and fascinated by the pursuit of leadership excellence. This is why I pursued my PhD in psychology with a specialization in business, and I've continued to dedicate my career to understanding the science and practice of positive leadership. My name is Craig Dowden, I'm a best-selling author, award-winning keynote speaker, executive coach, and member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Each week, I'll bring you world-class content on the science and practice of positive leadership. Through my conversations with best-selling authors, TED speakers, and top CEOs, you'll be able to leverage their insights and experience so you can maximize your potential and be the leader the world needs you to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Do Good to Lead Well podcast series. I'm thrilled to share that the Do Good to Lead Well podcast, because of your support, is now ranked in the top 10 percentile of podcasts in the world. So once again, a sincere expression of gratitude on my behalf. So I just absolutely love your engagement and your continued sharing of these episodes. Today, I've been looking forward to this. Some time has passed. I've spoke with Dwayne, I think, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I'm so thrilled. He has such an extraordinarily filled calendar and he made some time this afternoon. And so Dwayne is the president and CEO of Franklin Templeton, Canada. He joined the organization in 2004 as vice president of strategic alliances and has received several awards for his leadership. In 2020, he was named the Wealth Professional CEO of the Year in 2019, was given the University of Ottawa Recognition Award in 2017. He received the Women in Capital Markets Male Leadership Award, which recognized his efforts to support diversity and inclusion in Canada's financial services industry. And as president and CEO, Dwayne works to foster an environment that inspires innovation and helps people succeed and thrive. So absolutely love that. So Dwayne, welcome to the program. Well, Craig, thank you so much for having me. And hey, congratulations on being in the top 10% of podcasts out there. I mean, I know it's a crowded space, but that means that the quality is certainly coming through of what you're doing. And the pressure is certainly on that I don't bring your quality down today with today's discussion. Well, not at all. I was thrilled to be able to have you join us, Dwayne, and it's because of extraordinary chief executives like yourself that drive people's interest and they love the conversation around leadership and how we can do good to lead well and exhibit positive leadership. And I know that's a high level of interest for you. And so these days in particular, as we're rounding the corner and continue to encounter things that we've never experienced, there's such a heavy focus on leadership and certainly important. So I'd love to start with, what are the leadership qualities that you think are absolutely important both now and into the future? Well, you know, Craig, it's, it is great to be back and it's great to chat with all of your uh, listeners and I guess the viewers on the webinar today and really looking forward to selfishly learning. I mean, leadership is something that, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there that are incredible leaders and they have incredible stories to share and they have incredible lessons that they can share. And I really view leadership from my standpoint as it's, it's an ongoing lesson. There's always something to learn. There's always something to improve. And so I'm always just trying to figure out how can I be a better leader? I think it's one of those things that 
I think if anybody were to put up their hand and say, hey, I figured it out, I'm done. I mean, I think that they're obviously incredibly naive around that whole concept. But, you know, you referenced that we chatted early on the pandemic and it seems so long ago, yet it seems close. I think we've all lost the whole scope of what that time continuum is. It speaks to that whole evolution of learning and leadership learning and adapting. And there's no doubt there's a massive focus on leadership these days. And as much as you hear about good leadership, we're also hearing tons of, I mean, if you just watch the news, you're, you're, you're seeing lots and lots of stories about bad leadership. Now, I'm pretty sure we could also spend a whole session just sharing stories or examples of, you know, we've all worked with various leaders. We still work with leaders, you know, in our day-to-day lives at various organizations, current companies, past companies. We could probably spend a whole session just sharing war stories of examples, almost like an outtakes kind of session of stories of how people have acted both good and bad to kind of balance it. But in terms of what they did, because there, there's no shortage of things from a leadership standpoint, but it's so important in today's day and age, how we've evolved and come through COVID and where we're going to take our organizations to. So with respect to qualities, for me, it's good leaders are credible. They have humility. They're self-aware, even keeled, and are fully present. And those are just a few of the qualities. I mean, this is when you, when you Google leadership, I mean, you're going to get reams and reams and reams of data. So to try and distill it down in my mind, that's really what it is. But I could also default and, you know, Craig, you and I have known each other for a long time now, and we've had a lot of conversations. I can default, you know, in terms of the qualities to two of my very favorites, and that's really authenticity and empathy, which they encompass both a, a lot of those other attributes and qualities that I just mentioned. But I have a feeling that we're probably going to touch on that throughout the session, given the topic of today's conversation. No, thank you, Dwayne. And that's one of the great bridge to what we're going to be spending our time on, because I know you're such a huge advocate for authenticity, authentic leadership and empathy. And one of the things I want to highlight, and thank you for sharing this, because I think it's so valuable. And I have to say across the different successful chief executives that I've spoken with. And it's the thing that I admire about you and your leadership, Dwayne, is that focus on continuous learning. And I love that in every conversation that we have and you have with others, and I've observed you having with people is that it's that emphasis on, so what can I take out of this interaction? Always looking for nuggets and things to extract. I think for all of us, everybody listening to this today, both live and and listening to the podcast. It's an incredibly powerful life organizing principle, if you will, is around that idea of of learning. And just for people who are live, Dwayne has kindly agreed to take questions. So type into the chat. I would love to, you know, take advantage to talk with one of Canada's top CEOs today and ask your questions on leadership, philosophy, lessons learned. And you opened it beautifully for me. So I'm going to I'm going to walk into that door around authentic leadership because I know that's a topic that you have a passion for, Dwayne. So why is authentic leadership so important and what benefits does it provide both to me as a leader who is acting authentically as well as to the organization? Well, thanks, Craig. And, you know, I, we do enjoy chatting about, you know, the authenticity aspect of leadership, but I'll distill it into my own thoughts, but maybe what might be really good. And I know just because, you know, your books have been so great, congratulations on the two books you put out, but you spend a lot of time talking about authentic leadership. And I don't know, and I know this is meant to be me trying to sound smart and impart some wisdom, you know, on the listeners, but I guess I'm just wondering if 
maybe pivot to you to just define authentic leadership, just to set the stage, because I think this is something we could go in a lot of different directions on. Well, thank you. And, uh, and that that's really fun. Again, and, and having a conversation is terrific. And I would say, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to be able to define it, because as you know, I had the remarkable privilege of collaborating with Alan Mulally, uh, the former CEO of Ford Motor Company and Boeing Commercial Airplanes. And I love Alan's definition of authentic leadership. And he defines authentic leadership as when our values our beliefs and our behaviors are in alignment. And the only thing people can see are our behaviors. And then they extrapolate what our values and beliefs are based on what they see. And I just love that because I feel like it touches on the really core elements of it in terms of our values and our beliefs. So who I am and what's important to me. And I love that you touched on this as well, right? The self-awareness part which is also realizing, well, they're going to get manifest out in the community, into the organizations we, we serve and we lead, the communities we live in, people get to observe us in that way. So I just love that definition. No, and I think that that just, that sums it up perfectly. And I think you take that, and for me then, it's about finding your own style and way of leading, but that it reflects all of those things, you know, that alignment between your values, your beliefs, and your behaviors. But in your own way, it's not a prescriptive thing that you download and then there is no playbook for leadership per se. It's how you take the information you're given and then how do you live it on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's where the authenticity comes from in my mind. And I think leadership success itself really starts with authenticity because I, I don't think you're going to have success without authenticity in my mind. You know, and it's about how do we go about our day-to-day and our jobs and life you know, but we're not compromising our own values and personalities. And I think I know that people trust us more when we are true to ourselves and trust is what it's really all about. I mean, that's the magic of teamwork and getting teams to accomplish great things and to hit your goals and objectives. And so that really dovetails into, you know, the benefit of authentic leadership for a leader, but for the organization itself, I mean, it's a massive lift for organizations because those authentic leaders they bring their whole selves to their jobs. They participate fully, honestly, day to day because they're passionate about what they do and they believe in what they do. I think that those organizations that foster that authentic behavior, they're going to have more engaged, more enthusiastic, more motivated teams, but also a very, call it a psychologically safe culture where people want to come to work and bring their whole selves to work and align behind these goals. So I think there's so much power behind the the authentic leadership discussion. But just think for just a quick second about what the opposite would be. Imagine about not being authentic. People are going to, I mean, if you're trying to be a leader and you're not authentic, people are going to recognize that a mile away. They're not going to trust you. They're good. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be negative. So people aren't going to be passionate or engaged in what they're doing. And how are you ever going to Aside from maybe the odd stroke of luck, but at the end of the day, my, my team's heard me say more than one time, luck isn't a strategy or hope isn't a strategy. So I think there's no option other than to, you know, be authentic from a leadership standpoint. Well, and what I love, and again, you can see already people listening why I'm so excited to have this conversation today. I love how you link authenticity with trust. I think that's such a powerful connection. And then how you 
build it, Dwayne, around. So then once trust is the foundation of the expression of your authentic leadership, then all these valuable outcomes come from that. And then trust is the currency that we really, in our personal and professional lives, you have nothing more valuable than trust. And that comes from that authentic side. And I love that you make those linkages and then highlight, hey, and then for anyone who's wondering, is this worth it? Well, of course, when I trust you and I want to follow you, I'm going to be more innovative. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to go above and beyond. And so I just love what you're talking about here in terms of laying that foundation and how authentic leadership really is the competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think, Craig, you're talking to, you know, on your podcast, you've interviewed lots and lots of CEOs. And I, and I think, too, one of the misconceptions is that CEOs are the boss, but at the end of the day, everyone's got a boss. And so I'm a part of a, a large global U.S.-based asset management firm of which I report into a boss. So it's not just about me believing in authentic leadership. I need to believe it in the leader's at the senior most levels of our organization globally, that they're acting in an authentic way and that they're leading authentically, you know, and that I'm aligned both philosophically, but also from an overall trust standpoint, like you just said, with where we're taking the organization. And so I know I play a small part in the role I'm in to try and set the stage and establish a local culture for our business. But we all are working interconnected with with various leaders on a day-to-day basis, both up and down the leadership hierarchy. And I'm fortunate that we have a very flat organization from a hierarchy standpoint, but you still need to have that authentic aspect of the discussions, the team, and you know just how you're, you're trying to align for success. Well, and another point that you made as well that I, I really think is valuable for us to consider and reflect on is around the intentionality. You talked about the choice, right, around how we show up and the, and the choice to live and lead by our values. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly empowering around so how that how that impacts us. And I'm not surprised we have questions coming in already. So this is great. I do. I love creating space for the audience. So we have a couple. First, I'll start with Tara, who said, I love, Dwayne, how you make it explicit that you're focusing on creating an inclusive environment. So what are some things that you feel are essential for leaders to do to bring the fullness of everyone to an office environment? Yeah, no, and thanks for the question, Tara. And I'd say that it's a process. You have to set the stage first off. You you know, it's not just an automatic. And I think you have to set the tone for the discussions. You have to create that safe environment where people can feel comfortable about saying what they think, what they feel. It does tie into being, you know, you're hoping that people can bring their whole selves to work because when they do bring their whole selves, then they're not worried about, and it doesn't mean when you bring your whole self to work, it doesn't mean you're not filtered. I'm not saying it's a free-for-all, but people have that comfort in knowing that what they're going to say is going to be respected. They're not going to be picked on. They're not going to be talked over. They're going to be listened to. Everybody talks about how important listening is. And it's something I'm trying to do more and more is just to step back and just listen more and to hear people and to fully hear what people are saying. But there are so many ways that you can try and establish that trust, but it's just about being you and People will see that and they'll, they'll get a sense that it's a safe environment. And so 
you know, I'm sure that there are, Craig, maybe I'll, I'll pause there because I know you've probably got two or three great bullets you could add to that. To me, it's around that trust. It's creating the environment, culture, and the listening that I think, and, and it dovetails then into, you know, allowing people to understand that there's a vulnerable aspect, you know, a vulnerability aspect at play here too, that's really important. Well, no, absolutely. And I think to me, what I, I, a point that you made, which is so important is it's a process as you talked about, Dwayne. And sometimes you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to build an inclusive environment. It's important. It's essential to explicitly state it. And there's some fantastic research around that. And, and it's one of the reasons why I think it's fantastic that you lead with that. That's some, it's an explicit part of your leadership philosophy. And then also acknowledging it's a process just by saying it doesn't make it so. And as you say, it's a continued practice that leaders, senior leaders throughout an organization embrace so that people recognize, hey, when I, when I step into this space and I am my authentic self, there are consequences. And in fact, it's not that there aren't consequences, there are benefits. Yeah. I have the opportunity to shine for the experience, the expertise, the perspective that I bring. And I think that's such an important point that you highlight, Dwayne, around that the process side. And, and again, it fits so nicely with your philosophy around continuous learning. That's what a process is about is moving and you keep growing and you keep shifting. So absolutely. So, and I got a note from Tara. Thank you. That that's great. And really appreciated the comment around process as well. So awesome stuff. We've got another question from Tim. So really appreciate that empathy came up as well. How does empathetic skills manifest themselves today as we're kind of in removing, moving away from lockdown? There's kind of return to office. So what does empathy look like as we are now in this hybrid space? Well, you know, it's very topical and, you know, relevant discussion. I think every leader across all organizations are thinking about, and I Love that we're focusing on the empathy aspect of it. And I know during, I know, Craig, when we talked right at the beginning of COVID, we talked around how to be empathetic and understanding that we were all thrown into this global health pandemic and, and everyone was in a different spot from a standpoint of we're all working remotely, but not all of our circumstances were the same. Some, you know, obviously had kids at home, others were caring for, you know, some family members, some were sick. Some were laid off. It, two spouses maybe working. I mean, we, we could go on and on about the environment that people worked in. And I think it was more about, it's, a, it's a really about how did we, during COVID, step back and think with empathy at the forefront? And how do you apply that to good leadership? And coming out of COVID, it's, and we're now in a new work dynamic that in my opinion, is not going to whipsaw, nor do I want it to whipsaw back to what it was pre-COVID, where we're in the office five days a week. We are in a hybrid environment now. We've proved we can be productive. Yes, we need in-person collaboration. Yes, it's great to see the team members. There's going to be that balance. But at the end of the day, it's we are in a different environment. And so during COVID, one of the big things from an empathy standpoint was just wondering how people were doing, you know, because we're on the screen. And that's what we did from the time we got up until the time we eventually shut it down. We were on our screens. It was a join leave kind of dynamic. 
What we didn't know and what you didn't have that ability is walking around the office, you get to see people. You see them, you bump into them in the kitchen area, you know, you walk by their office and you can really pick up on the nonverbal cues about what's going on in people's lives. It was so tough and it still is tough, you know, when it's, we're just dealing with screens because once people click leave, you don't know what's going on on the other side of that screen now. You don't know how people are really doing. And so that is really where I think we have to continue to foster an empathetic mindset to really apply it to the day-to-day leadership that we're all doing in our organizations. Because by definition, if we're empathetic, we have that ability to relate to those that we work with. It's not just a working dynamic, it's, it's a human dynamic. We can relate to others, what they're feeling, the experiences they're going through. It's absolutely fundamental in effective leadership. It shows, I think it shows your team that you actually care. You're caring for their needs. You're caring about how to try and help them with their future success. Empathy is the underlying current of being authentic and being aware of others. And so, yeah, we're going to work in these remote hybrid type of environments going forward. But I think that by being empathetic, we're more people focused then. And that's going to translate not just to those that we see in the office on a regular day-to-day, but you know, how do we interact and how do we get creative around how we interact? But we're also bridging now other cities, other countries. It's, it's, it's just a whole new world. Um, and I, I don't really like when we say oh, it's a new world or the new normal. It, it's different now and we have to be able to adapt to it. But leading with empathy, I mean, I think it is part of authentic leadership. It's about who you are, but I think the more you can do that, you're going to build that trust with your teams and you've got to figure out ways to make those connections with the team members. A bunch of comments have come in with that. And for me, before sharing one in particular, Dwayne, I love how you made the connection between empathy and authenticity because it is a really critical part going back to the definition of values, beliefs, and behaviors. Well, being empathetic enables us to see, okay, what's the impact of our behaviors on other people? And are they in line with our values and beliefs? So I think that's such an insightful observation. And Sharon also shared that thanking you for highlighting the importance of executives to be curious around the situations, the different situations that people are living in Because too often you see organizations or its leaders making assumptions about what's going on in people's homes. And it's important to recognize there's tremendous diversity that's happening. So Sharon wanted to say thank you for bringing that to the conversation. Thanks, Sharon. And I was going to say, you know, it's I guess it's one of those things where I'm from a humility standpoint and I'm humbled to hear, you know, a comment like that from Sharon, because at the end of the day, it goes back to my earlier comment I made to you, Craig. I don't think I've figured anything out. It's just when you're trying to be who you are, you try to do it, but there's so much more to learn. And, you know, I could point to a dozen other people that I see and I'm like, wow, that I, I should start doing that. I didn't even think of that. And so that's what I think is so beneficial of having forums like this, Craig, in that we are exchanging ideas, but selfishly, it's an opportunity for me to learn. And I, I want to learn more in terms of how can I be a better leader at the end of the day? So just need to put that out there. Yeah, well, thank you. And it fits beautifully with the opening around learning and continuing gathering feedback from our environment. And I have another question from Sean, and it was going to be one of mine, so it's just perfect. So I'll, I'll have Sean ask you the question because he's, he loves the conversation about authentic leadership. And then 
struggles with that. Like, is it going to be so in the in his question was, you know, will I look weak or what do I share? So any advice around how someone can show up as their authentic self? Well, you know, I, I would say, you know, we can get into the house and I think probably pivot to you, Craig, to provide a couple of your thoughts around this too. But being your authentic self, I mean, that's your own grounding and you're, you're going to figure that out now. But I'd say you shouldn't have any concern whatsoever in being authentic. And I'm not saying that the question implied that there was concern in doing it. It was more around the how, but it really is just being about true to yourself. Because at the end of the day, it, it's hard work not to be yourself. And if you are going to wonder, you know, who you are, who you aren't in terms of defining how you are authentic or if you aren't authentic, it's as simple to me as ask your partner, your spouse, you know, someone you trust for their opinion. And so obviously someone who knows you well. And for me, that's going to be my wife, Angela. I mean, she keeps me grounded. I'm grateful that we have the type of relationship that she's going to call me out on things. She's going to help me reframe challenges or thoughts that I might have, provide some great perspective for me. But, but most importantly, it's, it's the unconditional support you're going to get. So how do you get that authentic leader? It's, you've got to get some input. You need that feedback and you need that constructive criticism to help you figure out what that true self is for you. And then not being afraid to be yourself. Because when you're being authentic, you know, like we've talked about, you're bringing, you're bringing you to work and it creates that a great culture creates a winning team. You can be a part of a winning team, but you're a winning individual at that point too. So, I mean, I mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean that the person at home watching the hockey game on a Saturday night is the same person. I mean, I'm going to be at home, you know, with a beer in my hand, watching the hockey game in a pair of ripped jeans on a Saturday. I mean, I'm not doing that when I'm in the office. So it's not about the literal. It's about how do you fundamentally bring the what's at your core to work each day so that it's not a recognizable difference between home and work in that regard. Well, and what I love and thank you and got thank you as well and the the comments back, I really appreciated your observation, Dwayne, about, well, how it you know, takes a load off, if you will. Like, so being yourself, it's beneficial rather than all the work putting into it, like, who am I and how am I going to, what are other people thinking who they need me to be? Because there's great research, once again, as you know, I'm a big fan of the research, right? Which shows that authentic leadership isn't just beneficial to the teams being led by authentic leaders. There are also benefits to us for being authentic for the very point that you raise. So I'm curious, I'd love to to ask, you know, like, who is authentic Dwayne Green? Like, who are you? Who, what does authentic Dwayne look like? Uh, oh, Craig, I don't know if we've got enough time, do we? <laughs> But uh, no, all, all kidding aside, I mean, happy, happy to get into it. I mean, because really what you see is what you get at the end of the day with me. But what I would kind of reframe that question in terms of who is the authentic me, it's more of, I, I kind of take it from a different perspective whereby I'd want to answer that by describing how I would want to be seen as a leader or how I want to lead and be seen as leading in that, in that vein. So to me, if somebody wanted to pay me the ultimate compliment, you know, of me as a leader and as of the, with a leadership style would be to immediately say, hey, you're an authentic leader, you're empathetic, and you act with humility. To me, that's the trifecta. If I can, if someone describes me that, I'm good. I don't need anything more. I'm all full up of positivity for the day. You know, I'll tape that and replay it again tomorrow. But as I said, you know, 
what you see is what you get, but it's easier said than done. And I think that's the key is that, you know, it's not just inherent. I mean, you have to get a comfort zone and authenticity just doesn't happen. I think it takes effort, takes awareness in, in how you, you live and how you lead ultimately. And I want to bring up you know, a really good friend of mine, Jason McDonald. He's a great leader in business, but he's also just a great guy overall. And on his LinkedIn right now, every week or two, he's posting his lessons in leadership. Now, those are his own views of leadership and lessons that he's learned himself. So he's just coming at it from his own personal standpoint. And he did a post recently, just a couple of weeks ago on authenticity that just hit me right between the eyes. And, and he really, I mean, I would encourage you to check out his post, but really he framed it as, are you the same person at home as you are at work? And I know we've alluded to that already in terms of bringing your whole self to work, but it's as simple as that. And the reason I thought his post nailed it is that you shouldn't try to be two different people. Wouldn't it be that much easier to just be yourself? And, you know, Jay highlighted that it's tough earlier on in your career to just be yourself because you need an extra, I'd say an extra dose of confidence. You need to have that ability to not try and pretend you're somebody that you're not because you think that's what the boss wants to see or, you know, that's what the environment is. It really is really around being yourself and having that comfort earlier in your career because you're ultimately going to be more successful. You're going to be happier by being the real you. So it's a very long way, Craig, to answer that. And I'll just kind of hit it back on, you know, the trifecta for me is really it, it's, it's focused on, on authenticity, but it really, you know, it comes back to, you know, having empathy and humility as well. And what I really, really enjoyed how you flipped the question, because I think there's so much insight in that where you said how I want to be seen, because it's versus how do other people want to see me? That's the empowering part. I think that's so valuable. And once again, it's a great reflection question for all of us to ask ourselves, because back to the initial where we opened with the, the definition of authentic leadership, values, beliefs, behaviors are aligned. How I want to be seen and aligned with my values and beliefs. Is that what's happening right now? And I think that's such an important point and speaks to our legacy, speaks to our impact. And as you're saying, that intentionality around it as well. And so that we can be really free to bring that in a way that people are going to embrace it for, for who we are. As you say, you know, you get what you get is what you see. And that's that's really terrific. I also want to go back on the vulnerability because mm -hmm. you started to talk about that. And there's, again, great discussion around vulnerability these days. And so where do you see vulnerability playing in the success of leaders? And can you be too vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think, you know, vulnerability, I mean, I think it's leadership as, as it's evolved shows that we want to be able to relate to the human person and what is that real person, not a perception or the facade. And to me, I think vulnerability is, is at the crux and a lot of leaders probably are a bit afraid of being vulnerable because you might think that doing so you know, might put you at risk or it's not comfortable to do that. But I think you need to look at it in terms of, you know, how important and essential that quality of being vulnerable can be to you as a leader. And I think when others can see your faults, your weaknesses, I think it makes this more likable and trustworthy. I mean, you know, being vulnerable and opening up 
you know, ourselves to others, you know, we're going to learn and grow. Others are going to learn and grow. We're going to, we're human at the end of the day. And, you know, it's been three years since the start of COVID, which there are some positives that we're all taking out of COVID, but there are so many negatives and, you know, mental health being one of them. And that's super magnified these days. I mean, I'm in, I'm in Toronto. I, I see it, you know, day in, day out. I take the subway into the office every day. There's not one subway ride where you don't see that people are, people are having some real struggles out there. And we knew that going into COVID and we knew coming out of it, mental health was really going to be, if it already wasn't a pandemic, it was going to be the next global pandemic. And, and we're living it and breathing it now. And we're trying to figure our way through that. But I think taking it down from that big macro, not to try and crack just in our own organizations and as leaders by sharing your thoughts, whether they're positive or negative and being vulnerable doesn't mean you, you sit back and you start talking about, you know, you bring it to what's important at that time. And it's admitting that you don't have all the answers necessarily, or you don't know what to do next, or you're a bit overwhelmed, or you don't know where to start. So that to me is showing that you're vulnerable. It's not laying out that it's really not about, hey, look at me, or let me tell you as much as I can about me. But to admit as a leader that you're having a bit of a tough time, I think that can be impactful, but I think it's also really needed. And I think too, by doing that, think about leaders and organizations, regardless of what level you're at, if you're in a leadership role and you're managing people, people are looking up to you and people are watching you. They, they look for the cues. You have to be mindful of, you know, we all know that we have to be very hyper aware of what we say, how we act, what we do, even our body language. But I think that's because people are looking up to you for these cues. And if they see that you're open and willing to be vulnerable, well, then they're going to have that comfort that they can be open and vulnerable. And just maybe to finish it off here, you know, it's as simple as one of the standard lines. And I, I say it as a standard line, but I truly mean it too, is that we're all a part of a big team. And I don't care what organization you're in, the leader of the team, you know, and I feel very fortunate to be in the role I'm in. I'm honored to have been given this privilege, but I'm only as good as the people around me. And I need all of those people around me. And so when I get together with the team, and we've got three different lines of business in Canada, I'm not the expert. I mean, I'm not going to be the smartest person in the room. And, and I'm good with that. I'm not even going to try and pretend I'm the smartest guy in the room, which means I don't have all the answers. And so I tell the folks in our team that I don't have the playbook. But as a team, we may not have the playbook being handed to them. And if you're looking for me to hand you the playbook, well, then we're going to have a different conversation. But if we can then come together and create that playbook for success, but come at it from that standpoint of we can share what we're feeling, share what we're nervous about, where we think the risks can be, you know, and taking risks is a huge conversation around the boardroom table amongst leadership teams. But the vulnerability aspect just dovetails into so much that's, again, at your core that you're your true self and that you're okay with just sharing and being confident enough to say, I don't have the answer. I can find out and get back to you. Or, you know what, let's collectively try and figure out what the answer is. I have so many comments on this. Michael shared love linking vulnerability with humanity. And I would agree. I think that's such an important, we're all humans figuring this out, doing the best that we can. And we're not, we're far from perfect. And so we're going to make missteps continually. So highlighting that and, and then that is a way 
And particularly what I find as well, in a lot of work that I do that then relating as human beings, if it's I'm titanium and nothing bothers me and everything is absolute perfection, this is really tough for, for people to connect with. And I love your point too about fear. And thank you for raising that, Dwayne, because I feel like that's a big barrier where people, you know, well, what happens if I'm me and then either people won't respect me or people won't like me. And to your point, there's tremendous power in that. When we are vulnerable, I also love, again, and these are just at this, you can see why I was so excited everyone to have Dwayne on, right? Is that people look to us as leaders for cues and they're going to then see, okay, so what is it? How open can I be in this environment? And if we lead with those behaviors, well, now it's it's an extraordinary benefit. And I love how you linked it to innovation. I had another comment from Sarah saying the same thing, like vulnerability is essential for us to innovate. How can organizations possibly be creative without having some vulnerability and openness to, to fail? So was wondering for your comments on that, Sarah said, Dwayne, can you expand on that? vulnerability, failure, how you create innovation, would love to get your your thoughts. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's a great, great approach and great way to tie it in. And I mean, I think we all need to think differently. We need to challenge the status quo, obviously, from a business standpoint. And two, that's just the way we adapt to different business cycles or business environments. And we have to continuously innovate. And I think when you think about innovation, it's it's, it's both fundamentally doing something different. To me, it's, you know, you're not innovating if I'm just rewrapping the packaging and coming up with a new marketing campaign. To me, that's not innovation, but it's, it's doing something differently in your business. But with that, by doing something differently, there's risk to that. And you've got to be comfortable. And, you know, you want to foster an environment where risk-taking, and it's, again, it's appropriate risk-taking. It's not, don't just take it, the, the literal two words there and apply, you know, carte blanche to it. It's, it's really taking measured risk to say, can this help? And is it worth the risk to potentially lead to an, a better outcome or, or future success? And, and I think what we are trying to do at our organization, you know, innovation is a huge part of what we talk about, but so is empowering people to take risks. But again, I had to frame that in terms of taking risk. I mean, we're in the financial services. The last thing people want to hear is that, hey, Franklin Templeton, their employees are, you know, empowered to take risk. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm getting at in terms of, you know, taking risks, you know, in terms of how we manage money and that. But it's about thinking about how we are interacting with our clients. And I think that's where risk and innovation go hand in hand. But innovation is probably a, a softer sounding word to say, how are we? innovating around how we interact with our clients. How are we looking for new business channels or opportunities? And what aren't we thinking about doing? And, and could we create a way of, of capitalizing on, on a new potential opportunity for us? So I think, you know, you want to do that because you can't be afraid of failure. I mean, I can think back and there's a number of examples in our organization where we've tried things and they didn't work, but we've also tried things and they've really worked. And you can't be afraid of the failure to prevent you from actually taking that risk or being innovative to try something new. Because I think you're never going to know. But I think at the end of the day, that's how we will get better. And that's how we, we sharpen the, the focus of the whole team and where we want to get to. 
Great way of putting it, though. No, absolutely. And love uh, some comments about great point about measured risk. Love the question. What are different ways that we can we approach things that we've already done? Just I wrote that down. <laughs> Someone said this. Uh, that's great. And Stephen was wondering, as you've navigated through the pandemic over the past couple of years, like what are a couple of big lessons you've learned either personally as CEO, President, CEO, Franklin Templeton Canada, or lessons about the organization? Like how has the pandemic shaped you and your philosophy? Yeah, I, you know, and I think it's on, on several different fronts. I mean, I would say that there isn't one person that can say that they haven't been affected by the pandemic in one way. And I don't mean that in a glib comment because it was the first time we've all lived through something like that. And it leaves an indelible mark without a doubt. But I think it's what can you learn from that and what can you take away from it? And I'll, and I'll just give you kind of, for me, some of the things I've taken away from it is that, and some of the things I want to work on, and I think it really is around emotional intelligence, but we also learned during the pandemic, there's no such thing as over communicating, being in touch. So to me, I want to figure out, okay, how can I be a better communicator? But on the same token, how can I be a better listener as well? I want to foster and strengthen those personal relationships I have both personally and in business. I'm trying to show the vulnerability more. You know, the crux of it is, is being kind, you know, and it's kind of, it's a double-edged sword here in my mind, Craig, and and I'd love your perspective too. And maybe it's just because I'm, you know, we've gone through a, a long, dark winter, I feel in Toronto. I mean, in fact, if you read the headlines last weekend, I think this is the darkest winter Toronto's head in 70 some odd years. So maybe that's why I'm just looking for a couple of those teaser days to let me know that spring is around the corner. It's great to see a blue sky today. But when we talk about being kind, I think people did a great job of looking out for one another during COVID. But as it went on, that started to wane to a degree. But I also think that I was thinking maybe we're going to come out of COVID kinder, gentler society. I don't know. Maybe that was my own personal nirvana that I hoped we'd come out of. And I feel that, you know, we're falling short of that. Not in every way. I want to, I mean, I, I am positive by nature and I'll always be an optimist and, and exhibit positivity, but I don't think we're as kind as we could be. And I, I had hoped we would be coming out of this. I think mental health, how we support our, you know, our frontline caregivers, you know, all those people, We've, we did a great job during COVID, but it does, just because we've kind of resumed our normal lives, we're able to take vacations again, people are still dealing with things. And it goes right back to the empathy, Craig. And I think it, it's being empathetic to, not, I feel very fortunate. I'm in good health. I'm gainfully employed. You know, I've got a good social network. I don't have anything to complain about, but I also know that there are a lot of people that are having a, a tough go of things right now. And I think that's to keep that front and center in everyone's mind. Maybe it's that little extra thank you when you get your coffee, you know, or asking people how they're doing, just the little things that we, we can do better as, as people. Well, and a bunch of thank yous for that and love the focus on kindness. And to me, that linkage between empathy and kindness as well, being more aware. And as you talked about, and, and I see it a lot as well, where when you just go through an extraordinarily challenging period, as you say, dark weather-wise, and then also dark as we continue to navigate through COVID, that puts tremendous pressure. And we can forget about that empathy muscle. 
that we have. And I love that you bring it back to that. And once again, and, and to me, a key lesson is to remind ourselves that intentionality behind it, not to forget about it, mm-hmm. to say that extra thank you. And, and it comes through deliberate practice, empathy as a process, going back to several of the key points that you've raised throughout the way and remembering that it's our choice. And so before we leave wherever we are today, we can make a more intentional choice to be kind, to really lean into our empathy muscle or not. And so just, and recognizing the implications of that. One other thing I want to share, and Lauren commented on this as well, love the, the counterbalance between communication and listening. And I think that's a key lesson for all of us as well, is that in the duality, a lot of people focus on, well, I'll just communicate better. Well, that's more about me. And then, well, what about the on the the reverse, the listening side? So that's such a a valuable, a valuable component. And so what are some of the the gifts that listening has have provided to you? Like when what made you put that into the communicate and listen? What's what are the key gifts when we listen more? Well, you know, I think I put it in there because I want to keep it front and center for myself personally, because that's something I want to work on and become a better listener. I know any member of my team would probably go nod and say, yep, yeah, I agree. Because I get excited when we're in meetings and we get talking about something, I get excited. And some, I I apologize for over talking over people. I don't intentionally do it. I'm, I'm caught up. So I'm very aware of that. So it's an awareness exercise for me. But listening is to be able to, for me, is to sit back because you're going to learn more. You're going to get, you're going to learn a different perspective. You're going to hear different thoughts, different ideas. And it goes back to reminding me that if I'm a better listener, it's backing up all of these other comments I've made in terms of being authentic. It's about by being authentic and vulnerable, I don't have the playbook. Well, I don't have the playbook. I sure as hell better listen to those around me that are going to feed me the inputs that can help this. So being vulnerable right now, Craig, by saying, you know, I need to be a better listener overall. And that's something I'm working on. But I think the listening and communication hand in hand, and I think it just ties into everything. I mean, I think it's just, it's just so important. Well, and I, and thank you for that vulnerability. And also I love how you're unpacking it because again, those insights are so valuable because we can hear about being a better listener. And I love how you highlight and sharing your personal story. So I get so excited about sharing a perspective on something, then I I can jump in. So there's the awareness of that. And then you're also capturing, okay, how do I manifest? What if, if I'm not listening as well as I could? And that really empowers us to, to then take positive action, to, to drive personal and, and positive change. And I think that's so wonderful because you've given people a roadmap because, and I got a couple of hogs, like I do, that's someone wrote, I do this in all caps. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes from a good place, right? Yeah. And I think that's also a really powerful lesson for us as well. And being kind to ourselves too, is that it comes from a good place. And then the impact tying right back to being authentic may not be you know, and is likely not what we laid out. So this is awesome. We're almost at time. We've got a few minutes left. Several people asked about this as well. And so, and I think it is really timely. You've talked about mental health and protecting mental health. Any thoughts you can share, Dwayne, as we close 
around what are some things you do to protect your mental health, things that you do to keep mental health front and center for the teens that you lead in Franklin Templeton, Canada? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just being aware. Well, I don't think it's just. I mean, one of the aspects is being aware and being aware of the fact that people can have, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to have a string of bad days. It's okay not to feel your best and having that awareness, but then recognizing that in team members. So you know that you're trying to connect with them. You're trying to create that trust level where you've got that connection with your team members or even just friends or other colleagues that they want to connect with you. They want to talk with you. And so, you know, mental health is this overarching theme, but, you know, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, stress comes into it and stress is massive. And how do you handle stress and deal with stress and how do you learn? And and this, and I'm sharing this from my own personal perspective here, because it's something that I'm again, trying to, trying to figure out not just, just ways of handling things differently, perhaps. And I think, you know, maybe it's realizing that it catches up with you over time. And I don't want to say having just turned 50, I don't want to say I'm having all these aha moments or anything like that, but you realize that at this stage of my life, you go, what's important to me? You, you, you do a little introspection of what's important. How do I handle stress? You know, how do I handle situations? And so I think it's taking stock of your own personal mindset and not being afraid to ask for, for, for some help or some feedback or, you know, in fact, I, I ran into a, a good buddy of mine yesterday I was having my executive medical done yesterday and I ran into him in the hallway there just coincidentally and I hadn't seen him in a year and it was just great. Big hug. And then it was like, hey, I need to talk. And he started to say stuff and I go, you know what? I'm feeling a lot of the things you're feeling. Let's definitely get together and talk. And so, you know, I think there's, there's lots that, you know, you can do from a mental health to support it. But I think it's having an awareness that it's not someone else's issue. It's everyone's issue. We're all going to deal with it. And I think it just before in the past, we might've just kind of swept it away and said, oh, I've just got some work stress. Call it what you want to call it. I don't care, but take care of yourself. And for me, that's what I'm trying to do is unpack some of these things and figure out, you know, ways of handling it. So, but I think it's something though, that it's about being there for others as well and being aware of, of others and, and just whether it's in a team, recognizing what they're going through and maybe you got to cut some slack or you want to make sure that they're fully aware. Actually, you know, the, the littlest things like making sure people are fully aware of what's in their benefits package and what's available to them and the resources that they've got or that they've got outlets that they can tap into. So I don't think it's one thing, nor do I think the question was implied that there's just one thing about it. But those are kind of my probably very random thoughts around that whole topic. But again, that's it's, it's, it's a massive nut that as a society, we've got to figure out. Well, and I really appreciate how you framed it, that it's all of us. You know, each and every one of us has a journey around our mental health and being aware. And I also love that you use the word awareness and aware, being aware. That is critical. And again, back to open with self-awareness and empathy. So I almost feel like, you know, we've come beautifully full circle on that. And then asking, asking for help. And I remember for me, and again, as you know, I love throwing uh, social science, leadership science. I remember a study showed that in 90% of the cases, 90% of the cases where help was offered that was needed, the person asked for it. Yeah. 
So that means, you know, one in 10, you're going to get something. So just, you know, asking people around you, this has been awesome. We've got like a minute or two left. Any final words, Dwayne, before we sign off today? Yeah, no, Craig, listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Amazing questions. It was a fast hour, but it was just so much fun just to talk about a lot of these things. I'm passionate about them. But maybe one last comment on that, and I think you hit on it, but we didn't use that term. We've got to remove the stigma around mental health. And like you said, people are asking for help. We need everyone that if they need to, they can ask for help because they don't feel there's a stigma or a stereotype attached to that. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of great work that's going on out there that we do see, you know, in our communities around removing the stigma. But I think more we can do that, the better it is. But yeah, on, on, on just a couple of last comments, I would just say this has just been very impactful for me, Craig. Thanks again for having me. I've learned a lot. I love the questions. It's given me a lot to think about. And so just appreciate that opportunity. And I would say that probably the folks that are on here are aware of your books, but I can't stress enough. I know in my LinkedIn post, I did an unsolicited plug and it was a genuinely unsolicited plug for Craig. But I would say that, you know, one of the things you can do is if you haven't read his books, read his books. The next thing you can do is pass that book on to somebody else. But I guess I, as the author, I, you don't want me to hear about passing up. Buy that person a one of Craig's books and gift it to them. Maybe that's the better way of doing it. But you know what? It's, it's just been great, Craig. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I always learn something whenever we chat and just really am grateful for knowing you and our friendship and this opportunity. No, well, thank you, Dwayne. And again, as I mentioned right at the outset, I've been looking forward to this. I'm thrilled that you're able to find time in your calendar. Just so many great insights. And I just love, again, to to go back to where we started. This is a learning journey. We're all humans, so connecting with our humanity and really focus on being self-aware and empathetic. And then when we're able to, to lead and live in those spheres, there's just so much tremendous value and experience and meaning that comes out of it. And one of those is today. And so thank you. It's just always a pleasure and a privilege to speak with you and hearing your insights. I've got so many positive comments. So Everyone, thanks so much for taking the time. Looking forward to seeing you on the uh, next episode of Do Good to Lead Well. Until then, take care. Take care of you. Take care of each other. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here today on Do Good to Lead Well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can follow me on Twitter at Craig Dowden or reach out via LinkedIn or email info at craigdowden.com. I look forward to meeting you here next week for another transformational episode.